Hey everybody, welcome to Racing with RK, episode number 13. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Buckeye Karting Challenge. Ohio's Karting Championship. The next event is Sunday, October 25th at G&J Cartway in Camden, Ohio, with practice on Saturday, October 24th. For those of you that have not raced in the series, this season use promo code RACINGWITHRK and receive a $5 discount from your entry fee. This podcast is also brought to you in part by Lori Beal Photography, your expert in motorsports photography. Her passion is sports, specifically motorsports, but also enjoys travel, concert, and night photography. Check Lori's website, lauribealphotography.com. That's L-O-R-I-B-I-E-H-L photography.com and use promo code RACIN with RK and receive a 10% discount on orders for first-time customer. Well, tonight we've got a couple special guests that I've known for a real long time, and and their name, their last name, when I tell you, has uh, been synonymous with karting uh, really for many, many years. Joining me tonight is Chris and Jason C. They have been racing, gosh, for back, I think, uh, probably guys back in what, the 70s, 80s, we got started with this, something like that? Yeah, myself, uh, Randy, I think uh, probably I was four first time I got wow. on a cart. So that's that's got to go back to 1970. Yeah, and I, I've seen uh, magazines, I know, with both of you where, uh, where we've had uh, pictures of you, I think, in the 70s and 80s. So well, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, it's, it's really an honor to have you on here tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Share with uh, the listeners... How were you introduced to karting? What's your first memory of your first time getting in a cart and, and that experience? My first time in a cart has got to be uh, a school parking lot. And I think we were on gravel. And my uncle had a go-kart. He was the first one uh, to get a car. And uh, so we went to a school and you know, set it down in the gravel parking lot there, and they throwed me on it at four years old, and I just stabbed the throttle wide open and gravel flying everywhere, and they thought I froze. So somebody ran and grabbed a go-kart and stopped it and shut it off real quick. And uh, that's my first memory of being on a car. But uh, that was a little four-stroke, and then eventually uh, – I don't know, within a few months, I was running a Mac 9 up and down the road, you know, right. on the rural country roads. <laughs> my dad would get on one end of the road, my uncle on the other end of the road, and it stopped traffic. And I'd run back and forth, you know, on this little curvy rural road. And uh, I eventually, after about the third pass, I think I blowed the, the block in half. <laughs> but uh, th- that was my memories of uh, being on the cart for the first time. Your first blown motor, but not your last one, right? That's right. I mean, it's uh, it, I think we still got that Mac Nine somewhere, and it just oh, blowed the block completely uh, in half. That's pretty cool. And, uh, I, yeah. Jason, how about you? What's your first memory of uh, getting into a go kart? Uh, thank you, Randy, and I, I want to tell you thank you so much for inviting us to be here. It's this is something I've been looking forward to for several weeks now since you've called, but uh, it's a pleasure to be on. 
But uh, my first memory of a cart would be, uh, you know, Christmas morning. And I'm going to point out, too, now, you haven't seen me in any magazines in 1970s. Now, Chris is definitely the senior member of this group, okay? <laughs> I wasn't going to do any math. But, <laughs> I came along in the mid-80s. So, um, you know, my, my first cart was around 1984, if I'm not mistaken. And that was in the form of a yard cart Christmas morning. And uh, I had begged for that thing for, for uh, it seemed like forever. I don't know in reality how long it was, but uh, that red uh, Cecil Moore go-kart came on and it had uh, it had one of those white Briggs and Stratton five horsepower motors on it. Right. And, um, um, you know, I had a, a tar and gravel yard, uh, tar and gravel road at the end of my driveway there were only just a couple houses on it my parents still live there today and uh that kind of became our racetrack because my neighbor had a got a go-kart that morning as well and uh gosh i i bet i have um i bet i have ten thousand miles on that quarter mile road uh riding yard carts back and forth and that was my you know first experience on on a go-kart that's that's pretty cool well, keeping that train of thought, uh, Jason, tell us about some memories of your first wins. Gosh, I wasn't a very good driver. Um, I always started things earlier than than what the official ages were. So I guess I started Speedway Park, Travelers Rest, North Carolina, um, when I was six and a half, seven years old, which was still a year, year and a half early. And, um, you know, I probably were, was on the racetrack a year, maybe two, before I got my first win. But my first win came at uh, Jim's Go-Kart Track. That was the name of it. And that was in Ellingboro, North Carolina. And that was on a high-banked um, high dirt oval. Uh, just, you know, probably could – I know you've talked about Bob's Cart Shop and Bob's Track on this show several times. Right. You could probably hit a golf ball and hit that racetrack there. But uh, my first win came in a um, – I don't know if it was rookie then or if they were calling it junior sportsman uh, against uh, what would later become a late model driver. Uh, Jeff Cook and uh, Jeff okay. is is kind of a uh, semi-famous late uh, late model driver here in, in this area, and uh, he he's falling on, on a bit of hard times right now. And uh, Jeff, I just want you to know if, if you're listening out there, buddy, we've been praying for you, and uh, sure do uh, uh, like reminiscing about the days when we we're both on the go kart track. Very good. Very good, Chris. How about yeah, you? I think I'll add to that. My my memories of Jason starting. Uh, he mentioned Speedway Park, which was, you know, a a good sized dirt oval in Greenville, South Carolina, that ran for many years. You know, most of the people in the Carolinas remember the old Speedway Park, but uh, I can remember Jason starting out, and uh, he can too. I just like my kids when they started. I sit down in the dirt you know i draw a picture of the racetrack with my finger in the dirt and i say now this is how you enter the turn and i try to draw them a line in the dirt and uh, of course their buddies are all running around playing and they're watching them and not paying a whole lot of attention to what i'm drawing in the dirt so <laughs> needless to say uh, that's my memories of of jason getting started 
is and, um, and I can remember those drawing. dirt drawings. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can, I can you remember, remember the dirt, dirt drawings. drawings. I like it. Oh, I, absolutely. And I didn't a bit more know what he was talking about, a man on the moon, and I just shook my head and uh, went out there and did the same old thing. So That's funny. Um, you, know, you know, it just took a while, but uh, finally got the hang of things, I think. You know, the best but part yeah, about you were that, the best part about that, guys, is remembering and talking about it, because that's that's a pretty good story about he's trying to school you in the dirt. and You're going, oh, yeah, sure. I got it. And you're getting in the car going, man, I don't know what the heck he was talking about. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, as far as my first uh, what was your original question again, Randy? I'd, well, if, if just a memory about me, your first win. First win. Oh, my. I I have not a clue, Randy, but it, it probably would have to go back to Melrose because uh, my parents, they started running that racetrack, which was right off of the side of the mountain in Saluda, North Carolina. It was a fifth mile asphalt oval, and uh, I think they started running that racetrack in probably somewhere around 72 to 74, I can't remember. And, uh, you know, we were all riding Margate Cheetahs with, you know, the old Goodyear Blue Streak tires or Carlisle right. tires with tubes yep. in them back then. Hard as a rock. And, uh, yeah, yeah, running McCullough's and 91s and the 101s. And uh, I, I was the pace car. You know, Dad didn't have a junior class at that racetrack so he put me out there you know as a kid basically to pace the field for every class that hit the racetrack wow and uh so you know a lot of times i just pull off of the racetrack right before he threw the green but when i i got really good i stayed out there yeah and if i felt somebody getting close to me then i'd pull off the racetrack. <laughs> but then I got to where I was pulling away from everybody and then yeah. you're coming around and catching them and starting to lap the field. So, uh, you know, as a kid, that was my experience in the junior classes is being the pace car. That's pretty but, cool. But uh, later on, later on, you know, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, I don't know, uh, I got to probably think about the stock junior the old stock junior class on the manufacturer's cup series right uh which of course was a blistering fast class if you remember oh yeah uh stock junior on the man cup series was always within a tenth or two of unlimited yes you know most of the tracks yep and uh so that was my first taste of speed right there was uh, those classes. But as far as first win, I really, <laughs> I can't remember, but it's, it's got to be at Melrose. I've got several Melrose trophies. Either I, that I, or, or Bob Geddes, uh, Bob Geddes's track at Ellenboro, which okay. we ran quite frequently as well. I, you know, you, you Randy, if that, I can. Yeah, go ahead. If I can, I'm going to take us uh, a, a little bit forward. And, and, and can I talk about one of my first national wins? Absolutely. So, 19, I guess we started running the National Dirt Series. I'm talking about uh, uh, 94, 95-ish. 
And in 1996, I, I got a pretty good start in the national points with a first win in Jasper, Florida, and that was against um, that was against Barrett Terry, and uh, it was kind of a big deal because yeah. Barrett uh, had won every two-cycle dirt race in the last several years, yep. and I remember coming home. And my answer machine, I was before cell phones, Facebook and everything, my answer machine, I just had messages from several different people around the country. And it dawned on me, you know, just how big that, oh. that, that deal was at that time. But that, no, nobody beat uh, Barrett Terry. That just didn't happen very often. But but what I really want to talk about is my second national win. Now, okay. that that was the very next race. And, and, I, and I'm not, I, I'm just wanting to tell the story. Um, but but that's the second national race in Mamilia, Virginia, that followed uh, uh, Jasper, Florida, and it had rained and rained and rained all weekend there, and uh, we were kind of on the verge of, of running a, an R7 or an R6. You know, we ran Dunlops all the way around at that time, and uh, Limited Modified was out uh, out before us. And they spent about an hour on the racetrack, and they were wrecking, and everybody had the hard tires on and, and anticipated the racetrack being a lot harder than what it was at that time. And uh, Dan, Dan Sox come off the racetrack just just angry because he, he, uh, he uh, had picked the wrong tire. And he said he was telling Charlie at that time, we should have went with a softer, softer Dunlop. So my dad and I heard that when Dan was coming on off the uh off the track and we were on the grid and there were no rules about changing tires on the grid at that time so we went back trailer got our r6s and uh anyway we started third i think chris was uh second and i, I don't know who was on pole but that was the night that, that 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 i passed i passed my hero for the win there and that that was my hero growing up of course was chris during that time so, wow that was um, that. That was the night that, in my eyes, I became a, I became a go kart driver. That's, uh, Man, that's first, aw- that is an aw- first aw- second that weekend. That is an awesome story. You, you remember that, Chris? Oh yeah, I remember every time he beat me. Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you? How'd you? How how did he get by you? You know, I'm not sure, but uh, oh, I know, I, I know how that happened. This was a me. Oh, I remember. Yeah, he drove over the top of me because I, I told him after the race. That's not true. I said, if that's you can't go true. around me, you might as well go over the top of me. That's right. He used the chrome <laughs> horn, didn't he? I passed him with about right. ten laps to go and a slide job, and he crossed uh, over, and then I I brake checked in the next lap. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's not get bogged down with the details, right, Jason? <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, and I and I want to mention Barrett Terry. I just remember Barrett was the was so good at two cycles, and and you and you guys were too. I mean, I and I think I remember some of those races because uh, the two cycle class always had a full field. It wasn't like we had seventy or eighty, but there was twenty or thirty, and the top ten to fifteen would always have something to say about the race, you know, I mean, they were always in the hunt. You had a few stragglers back there that was lap traffic, right? About halfway through the race, but man, you guys put on a show and I, and I guess again, not to get off on another tangent, but that's kind of what that UAS series is now. I mean, I've seen some of those videos. That's an awesome show. 
<laughs> I'll tell you a, a story about uh, me and Jason uh, talking about Barrett and them as well, because, you know, back in the 90s, that was kind of the uh, heyday of right. dirt oval racing. Yes. And uh, that's when you'd go to Daytona and it'd be a four day event and it was over 2,000 entries. That's right. And, uh, you know, we ran unlimited and yamaha and 100 cc controlled stock and you had full field plus because you had to run um you know some kind of a b main or something or whatever right right. to uh to make the field but that being said me and jay i don't know i think it was my idea you know daytona was always about the tire prep all right i know where you're going with this now (laughs) <laughs> and we we uh we just decided you know we're not fooling with these dangerous chemicals we're going to do something different okay and i had the idea of, of putting peanut oil on a tire okay and you know we're trying to figure out well how do you get the peanut oil to penetrate the tire so i took a deep fryer to the racetrack <laughs> and we put the peanut oil in a deep fryer and heated the oil and I made a little thing to hold the wheel and tire assembly where I could just push it down in the peanut oil and submerge it and deep fry the tire in peanut oil. Wow. And we'd do that two or three times before. Well, we sat on pole and outside pole <laughs> for the feature. Not a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I and there was only like a few hundredths of a second difference yeah. between me and Jason. I was on the pole. He was outside pole. And they dropped the green, and we took off. Yeah. I mean, we were flying. I mean, the cart felt good. It was in the racetrack. Yeah. I said, man, we're on to something. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the yellow comes out. About four laps into the race, the yellow comes out, and we slow down. Uh-oh. So after we slow down, and we make three or four pace laps, and we get lined back up, they dropped the green again. And I went off in the first turn, and it was like I was on ice. Uh-oh. I mean, the cart literally went to the wall, and when I turned around, there's Jason right behind you. <laughs> He's up against the wall too. Oh no! <laughs> that was dubbed so, uh, the you know, Siamese that... spin. <laughs> the Siamese <Yeah>. spin. <laughs> and I, I when I when Chris started spinning, I and his helmet made eye contact with my helmet. I could see nothing but eyeballs. Because <laughs> we knew that we knew there were thirty other unlimited yeah. bearing down on us, Coming and we were going to be sitting there targets. Yes, That's sir. That's right. So, in case anybody wants to know, deep fried tires and peanut oil—they're good four for four laps. laps. That's it. Four laps. Good for, <laughs> that's so. What you're saying is, peanut oil for qualifying—that's the ticket for the race. Probably not. Yeah, that's <laughs> Especially right. Especially if there's a caution. But, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, when you guys eat peanuts now, do you think of that story? <laughs> I've tried to forget that. I've one. got, <laughs> well, I tell you, I've got a scar. Do you this, really? I, this actually, I, I got a scar on my wrist because when I started to put one of the tires down in the oh, peanut no. oil, oh, no. the tire slid off my thing and oil splashed up on my suit and uh, got oh. on my wrist and hand and it just melted the skin off. So, you know, there's dangers. Inherit dangers to deep frying tires and peanut yes, oil, so yes. I don't suggest it to anybody. A whole new risk element there beyond the chemicals is, yeah. is the deep frying. Exactly. I, somebody, I was when I was racing, somebody told me that uh, I was racing sprints up here in Ohio, and they said, uh, "I take my chain, 
and I boil it in the oven. I put it in a big pan and I boil it in STP in the oven. Oh yeah, we used to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and boy, that it'll just clean that chain up, and then that chain will be just perfect. So I did that. Well, before there was before there was space chains too. We used to take the old chains and and whip them against the uh, two by ten. You know, you could take that chain and just and free it up whip it against a two by ten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then fry it like you said. Go ahead. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, it all I'm gonna say is that that I I must have did it wrong because it didn't really work. But my kitchen spelled so bad. I mean, I think when we sold the house, it still smelled <laughs> a little bit like STP. So, uh, so sometimes those ideas sound a lot better on paper than they do when you really try to administer them. But uh, that's 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 pretty cool. Well, uh, uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Name a couple drivers if you had to say and. And obviously you and Jason had some great competitions and Barrett Terry was a, a good competitor. Name a couple drivers along with those that just come to mind when you say, man, who was the toughest guy to beat back when I raced full time? Well, I was fortunate enough uh, back in the eighties to run against some of the best cardings ever seen. Right. And uh, you've got to add in there because most of our racing back then was, you know, we start out on the dirt tracks like everybody else, but then it became predominantly asphalt road course racing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had the opportunity to run run against Scott Pruitt and Anthony Lazaro and Haddock mm -hmm. and Adkins, yeah. and Carapaletti, Conzer, Burris, Joy Lenati, and even Junior yeah. Neal. Yeah. So I mean. These these are the guys that, uh, man, I mean, you just you just don't get any bigger when it comes to names and carding. For sure, yeah. And uh, so it, any one of them, I mean, th those are the guys that I ran against, and uh, I studied. They were my mentors mm -hmm. when we went to the racetrack. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me tell you, Chris, how old you and I are getting. You just mentioned Kyle Atkins. <laughs> you just mentioned Kyle Atkins. Right. And I, I raced with Kyle as a junior in 69 mm -hmm. at Camden and, and at Barnesville. Kyle's son, yep. Brandon, won the master's class this weekend at the Grand Nationals at Newcastle. So wow. I, I came awesome. to the conclusion that if you raced against the father of a driver in the master's mm -hmm. class, you're officially old. Yep. And, yep. and, and so just... Yep. We're we're in we're in good company, all right. How's that? Uh, well, Jason, let me tell you the kind of kind of guy Adkins was. I remember the 1982 North American Karting Championships oh, in Charlotte. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably the largest karting event in the world I've mm -hmm. ever seen. Yep. If you remember correctly, it, it lasted for an entire week. Oh yeah. And. Um, Charlotte. We, and, and, and not to interrupt, but just, just one second. We talked Humpy Wheeler yeah. into bringing dirt into the front stretch in front of that yes, beautiful uh -huh. grass and creating a pretty decent little dirt track, didn't creating. it? Yep, sure yeah. did. So, go ahead, Chris, mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure people realize it so wasn't just running the existing tracks. He added a dirt track on oh, the front no. stretch. The, it, it's, it would be difficult to explain to people the magnitude of that event today mm -hmm. because i i really don't think anything else compares to it 
Right, I would agree. But that, uh, in, in 1982, of course, Charlotte built a dirt oval on the front chute there. Then they uh, established a sprint road course uh, that went from one end of pit road to the other. And uh, most of it was laid out, you know, around hay bales. Then, of course, they ran the the, the road race at the same time. Right. Hello. So, you there? Jason, are you there? Hello. I'm here. Okay. We can hear you, Jason. Sure. So, we had a little break there. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but we're back with Chris and Jason C. And I have to apologize. I told these guys in the beginning, I'm going to welcome you to the show because it meant so much for me to have them on here. And I was just telling Chris off, off the air, I was so doggone nervous having these two guys on the show. I totally forgot to welcome them. But guys, welcome to Racing with RK. You have no idea how much it means to have you on here with me. Chris, you were talking about the North American Karting Championships at Charlotte, where we created a dirt track. Humpy Wheeler brought in, I don't know how many truckloads of dirt. They created a dirt track on the front stretch in front of the grandstands. We had a, a temporary sprint circuit set up, and we also did the road race. So go ahead. We, we got into that, and right. then we had a little, right. little technical difficulties. So go ahead, Chris. Well, of course, this was 1982, and like I said, it, it uh, this event, uh, everything else pales in comparison that I have been to over the years mm-hmm. compared to the extent that Charlotte Motor Speedway went to to create this event. Right. But uh, we were talking about Atkins, and of course, we ran the unlimited division on the sprint track. And uh, I had qualified, I think I qualified third. I think uh, Adkins sat on the pole, and I forget who was outside pole at that point in time. Uh, and anyway, getting back to Adkins. He never practiced. <laughs> he he went out there and he looked at the racetrack. Come on. He had that by rail and I, he was running a, a BM yeah. 130 on his by rail. He went out there and looked at the racetrack, crawled up on a grandstand and just eyeballed it. Come on. And sat down on the car and, and put that car on the pole. Oh and I mean, gosh. to me, that was like, you know, how can you run with this guy? But wow. uh, we were able to run second in that race. And John Klutz was actually running in that particular event. I think John might have run third or fourth is, uh, in it. But I ran second to Atkins. Then over on the dirt track, we ran the 100cc stock appearing class. Mm-hmm. And I won that class on the dirt running against Lewis Dowell. Oh, no. At that point in time, who was with competition karting. Yep. Lewis oh my gosh! in a go-kart with a helmet on. So that wow. was one of the guys, one of the old guys that I was able to race against at that point in time. Wow. We won the... And, um, and I'm going to say, I, I, I just learned something because I drove for Lewis a couple of years and I didn't have any idea he, he drove. So I didn't either. Know. Yep. I, yep. I, I didn't either. Lewis, yep. Lewis ran that race that night in the uh, stock appearing, 100cc stock appearing class. Wow. And... Uh, but we won that. And then the unlimited class, I was passing Scott Pruitt for the lead because Pruitt, it, uh, he ran every division known to man at that event. Right. And uh, eventually was crowned king of karting. King of karting. Yeah. In 19, yep. In 1982. 
but I was passing him for the lead in the uh, unlimited on the dirt. And I got against his left rear tire with my air filter on the K30. Had the foam air filter sticking, you know, way yeah. out there. Yeah. So uh, I got against him, rubbed this wheel, and cut the air filter and oh. sucked it up in the motor and just. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So, uh, so that was uh, that was my wheel to wheel with Scott Pruitt. Wow. But uh, yeah, that that was such a, a a great event which they did again in 1996 yeah we brought it back well, uh, of course a, we a had huge a event we had a permanent dirt track out back then so we brought it back and then ran a dirt race out back but i agree with you there was yep. nothing quite like that first year because we had to almost create the venue right and yeah uh, yeah and it it was just the the, the the commitment the speedway made basically i mean my my dad and humpy were such great friends and Dad kind of laid it out there, and Huppy said, "George, you know what? We we can make that happen." So they did. They brought in the. You know, media. there there was some huge corporate sponsors in involved in that. Coca Cola, yeah. uh, Jolly Rancher Candy Company. And and you know there was uh, a little little company that was just starting back then, and not too many people heard of. And called it was called Lowe's Home Improvement, and that was one of the sponsors <laughs> they brought yep. in. And and if. If you had a way of finding out or looking into it, I'll bet you that's one of the first races or racing products, so to speak, or racing events that Lowe's ever sponsored was that North American Championships. Yeah, so that was, yeah. but you're right. It they had, we had a lot, of, a lot of big names in there. For Quite an sponsors. event. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Randy, I don't have, I don't have quite the Rolodex that, that Chris names. Yeah. I, I can... <laughs> You know, I remember Joel and I. You know, I got, let me just interrupt for a second. I, I, let me, I knew you guys were going to be fun. I didn't know you are going to be this much fun. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you, you know, I kind of remember Joel and He was kind of a oh, wide open guy. And, yes, and I kind of relate him as the John Force of Carding, you know, yes, if you want to relate yes. the personalities there. Yes. But I think uh, he held the altitude record at Jacksonville. <laughs> uh flipping at the end of that straightaway yep, and yep. man uh did he get some altitude and that yep. was in the in the late 80s was my first memory of joe Lenati. Yep. but um you know speaking of manufacturers cup racing um some of the bigger names that i raced against you know uh, uh sarah fisher came along in the junior classes right. running the 820s and the yamahas mm -hmm. And man, she was tough. And, and yep. her mother was also tough. She drove Reba. Uh, mm -hmm. yep. Reba the Pistol Fork yep. Classic. Reba yep. Fisher, yeah. And uh, I guess uh, Rodney Childers and yep. uh, Chris Gaypart were probably the two best known names. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, well, don't forget about uh, NASCAR's finest, uh, Danica. You ran against her as oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> well. Did yeah. you race against yeah, Danica? Yeah, yeah, just one, once or twice. I think I was aging out of the junior classes about the time she was coming in. Is that right? But yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, you know, Joey, w when Yamaha was coming in and McCullough pretty much was gone, but WK was trying to let uh, McCullough die a slow death versus just cutting it off. The only driver that would ever run the McCullough, and he just kept running it, was Joey. And it just drove people yeah. crazy because he could beat the Yamahas and nobody else could stay on the same lap with him. So they finally, I think the board well, just says, okay, we, we can't do this anymore. There's no more McCullough's racing against Yamahas because Joey's got the only one. 
Well, that thing was about 40% nitro and the rest yeah, of the cast. Yeah, I know. Right, right, exactly. A little like a freight train yeah. uh, going around. It, I, I think he probably turned it all of 12,000 RPM. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that was – I always pulled for that little Mac. He gave those piston port motors a feel. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did. He did. So – one of the things we do in our podcast is we talk about cart tracks that aren't around anymore. And when I talked to Phil Combs in a podcast about a month ago, he mentioned Melrose Cartway and you know, or Melrose Raceway. And you touched on it earlier, uh, Chris. That's kind of how you, you grew up and, and started racing and, and a pretty cool story about being a pace cart. You know, one thing that taught you really was once you started staying on the track, you got used to hearing footsteps and people coming up behind you and feeling the pressure. So that was probably pretty good training. Oh yeah. And I, you know, as a kid, I held the, uh, the track record there for several years on a McCullough. And I think eventually when the K 55 Comet came along, uh, we started running the K 55 and I might've set a new track record on the K 55. That was, eventually broken by um oh shoot uh, ben barnes out of Asheville, north carolina okay uh, which ben he built motors for bush grand national cars back in the time they had a uh, race shop there in Asheville called barnes and reese racing engines and, okay uh, ben still builds race engines he built motors for larry pearson when larry pearson was running bush grand national Mm-hmm. But uh tell you a story about Junior Neal. Uh, the way you run for the track record at Melrose, if you want to run for it, and it was wide open, it, there was no weight limit. It was a run what you brung deal. There you okay? go. And at that point in time, I held the track record on a, I'm going to say it was a 101, on a fifth mile asphalt oval. Well, Junior Neal came to break the track record. <laughs> And Junior brought his C open. Nice. Okay. And uh, the way the track record worked, you could go out and make as many warm-up laps as you wanted to. And there was three people in the tire with stopwatches. Well, as soon as you finished making uh, your warm-up, you signaled to, to the flagman, and you got a green-white checker. Okay. And you're under the watch. All right. And that was your only opportunity at that point in time to break the track record. So Junior's out there with these BMs, and he makes four or five warm-up laps, and he signals to the flagman. He's under the watch. So he goes around, he does his green-white checkered, he comes back around, and the flagman looked at him and shook his head, which basically, you didn't, you didn't break the track record. Oh, man. Well, Junior, Junior continued to stay out on the racetrack on that C-Open, literally burnt the tires off of that thing it <laughs> smoked the whole place up because a sea <laughs> open on a fifth mile asphalt track would leave black marks from one corner to the other it yeah. never quit spinning right now he did get under the track record at that point in time but it wasn't official because right. it was after right. exactly. it was after the green white checkered yeah but uh that that was junior uh, here's the thing about it every time he came by the flag stand he flipped them off Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yep, that's every junior. lap he made after that. That's yep. junior. Yep. But, uh, it 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 was so. That was the kind of people I grew up around. Yeah. And uh, man, the the stories are just. Oh. 
that's what you love about carding though, right? Oh, definitely. And, and, and I mean, it's just the stuff you guys have shared tonight already. I mean, that's to me, it, it means a lot to me. And I think anybody that can sit down and talk about those and relive some of those and how many times you've been talking to somebody and they bring up a story and you go, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. And you kind of refresh your memory about something that had happened. And it's, uh, it, it's important. And, and I think, uh, boy, some of this but, stuff tonight is pretty good. But speaking of Melrose, since you brought up Melrose, that, uh, of course, I think my parents quit running that track in 78, somewhere between 78 or 80. I can't remember. And, uh, it was a, WK official WKA racetrack. Okay. We uh, we we were under WKA insurance, and that that's how we became associated with the Cooglers back then. Because mom, she had to order the pit passes. Oh yeah. Every yeah. week. Yeah. From the WKA office. Sure. And uh, you know, mom, of course, she she loved karting. Oh. And uh, she she was uh, thought the world of you, and oh. you know, I think her highlight in karting was when she was awarded the uh the ann kugler woman of karting yeah at well, one of the banquets it, it was well deserved and she cherished that sure. yeah yeah do, do you chris do you remember the duck story with your mom yeah yeah i'm trying to think of where yeah, we were I'm but trying, it was a dirt it was a dirt national somewhere waynesfield ohio maybe could have been Wayne, yeah, and I was wondering yeah, if it was would that have been would that have been Evan that she was getting those ducks for? Probably, yeah. But she uh, came. I, I don't know if you ever heard of Jason, but she but but she came up to me and she said, "Randy, I need a box." Now this is in the middle of a national, right? And I said, "Well, okay. I mean, if if she if if Miss C come up and ask for something, I would if it was at all possible, I was going to get it." <laughs> So she, I need a box. I said, all right. I said, if you don't mind, why? She goes, I got these ducks. I'm going to take them back to the grandkids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? This sounds a lot more fun than listening to this guy screaming in my ear. Let me go find you a box. <laughs> so That's right. I went and got her a box. And sure enough, in the trailer was all these little baby ducks. And we put them in that box. And I guess she took them, <laughs> she took them home with her. Yeah, that was funny. The, those ducks came from Mr. Ferguson. Oh, Ferguson yeah, Bob Farms. Ferguson out of Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bob Ferguson. Yep, yep, I remember Bob. Ferguson Bob, Farms. Bob brought her those ducks. Yeah. Yeah, he raised ducks. Yeah. Had millions <laughs> of ducks. Yeah. We almost lost those ducks on the way home because we yeah. stopped at a at a uh, rest area yeah. on the way back from Waynesfield, Ohio, and the ducks were sitting outside the motor home in a box Yeah. while we were eating dinner and a storm come up. I uh -oh. mean, it just out of nowhere, a storm come up and the wind took that box and blowed those ducks about a hundred yards across the parking lot. And mom's out there. <laughs> oh, no. the she ah. caught the box. Yeah. We got the box back, but we almost lost the ducks. But oh uh, my gosh! Anyway, that would have been tragic. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that too. Yeah, I hadn't. <laughs> I remember that like it like it was yesterday. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a, a part of the podcast I call the Hall of Fame Spotlight, and I picked out some people in the Hall of Fame, Chris, that that uh, certainly had a, a big impact on the sport, and just share a couple of memories and. And Jason, any anything you recall with any of these guys, just jump in. Uh, first one is Dan Klutz. 
Chris. Tell me a little bit about Dan Close. A couple of memories. Uh, he, Dan is probably one of the most uh, earnest people you'll ever meet. I mean, he's he's quiet, very quiet man, but he's one of he's kind of like my dad. When he does speak, you want to listen to him. And uh, I remember the Klutzes, and as as well as I think Lewis Dowell might have been involved before competition karting ever was. There was Dawson Sons. That's and, right. Uh, back in the back in the '60s and '70s, it was Dawson Sons small engines and Shelby. Yes. I think it was Shelby, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. That's where Dad went to buy his parts when he started a cart, cart shop, which was Triple C Carts and Parts Sales back in the 60s. And, and that's uh, that's my first remembrance of the name Klutz was with Dawson Sun Small Engines. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and, of course, competition karting is uh, those people which uh, John and his wife run that place now, and you won't find any finer people in karting yeah, than the Klutzes. I would agree. I, I had the uh, the opportunity uh, a few years ago. A buddy of mine and I went down to Bowman Gray for the weekend, and I called up John and I said, "Man, I'd love to spend the afternoon with your dad. Is he around?" And so Dan met me at the new shop, and he and I sat and we just talked. Like you and I, you, the three of us are talking now. We just sat and talked and told stories. And I'll tell you, it was it was one of the coolest things. And you know, Dan, he's getting up there, but I'll tell you, he's still pretty sharp. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I ask about him quite frequently when I get to see, uh, John at the, mm -hmm. at the track. Yeah. We, we got to see John last weekend or two weeks ago at the big O and, and to me, Dan is kind of, um, uh, you know, I look at Dan, uh, tremendous amount of respect there, but he's kind of the father of, of, of modern carding and what it was and become, because with the CKI organization, just the le the legacy that all the motor builders that were created, starting oh with gosh. Robin Bradshaw, yep. Todd Miller, Eddie Michoud, and the list goes on and on and on. I think the beef, beef you know, all yeah. those guys mm -hmm. spawned from from competition carding. Yep. Uh, so, so he trained, you know, the majority of 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 cart engine builders over the last twenty five years or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the the best so, four stroke carting engine builders came out of that shop under the guidance of yeah. Rob Bradshaw. That's undeniable. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I would I would totally agree. They uh, I had Jason Petty on a couple weeks ago, and he called Robin the professor because he just what was going on inside his head it was just would just it was amazing. Uh, how about how about Dick Wilson? Mister uh, Wilson. Uh, he was always kind of intimidating to me. Yeah. Uh, well, he was man, about he's about very, he's about six seven. Okay, so that that didn't help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very intimidating, and uh, you put him and your dad together, you were doubly intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah. But uh, those guys were very matter of fact yep. about things, a lot like Haddock. Haddock's that way. Yeah. You know, if you if you talk to Haddock, he's very matter of fact. Yep. But uh, I mean, it's they they're the people that uh, I mean, they're the founders of what we have yep. today. Absolutely. And 
You know, I always, yeah, I always tell, and, um, I always tell the story about Dick Wilson and, and Ben Ray Griffith. So many people had so much to do with the forming of WK and its growth and success where it, it basically where it made it. But if there were two people that had as much to do as anybody, Dick Wilson and Ben Ray Griffith went to my dad whenever WK was formed in 71 and said, in 72, in March, Dick told him, he says, we're going to have the Winter Nationals at Barnesville, but it's going to be WKA. And Ben Ray said, mm -hmm. and the Winter Nationals at Danville is going to be WKA. And those two races, which were the first two big races WKA ever had, each had about 500 entries. So you talk about two people oh, yeah. that had impact early, man. And, and Dick was one of them. And then, of course, in his later years, he, he was always at the, you know, at the dirt and the Gold Cup, the four-cycle program. He, he'd carry that rule book around. And I think he knew it inside and out, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, I think my first uh, Barnesville race was 78 at the, uh, the Winter Nationals. Mm -hmm. And there again, it's hard to describe to somebody today what that race was about. Right. Uh, back then, it was generally a four-day event. You qualified mm -hmm. on Thursday and Friday. And the, the classes that qualified Thursday raced Saturday, and the classes that qualified Friday raced Sunday. Right. So it was a four-day event. And uh, just to roll up on that event of 700-plus entries, mm -hmm. and it was all two-stroke, all yeah. two-stroke classes. Yes, yep. Uh, but that's a, that's a different day and time. Yeah, that's it's, true. Um, that's Ra true. Randy, I don't have a, a real good um, Dick Wilson story other than that I was a kid. You know, when I met him and I was scared of him because he was such a, <laughs> a, a, yeah. a, a lot of people were brother. scared of him, believe me. <laughs> but Chris mentioned your dad, and I can remember it almost like it was yesterday. The first time I met you, your dad, and um, uh, you don't remember it by chance, I, 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 I wouldn't imagine. But it was in Jacksonville, Florida. It was the first time I went down. For whatever reason, I ended up going down with Chris Henry and his group. My parents were coming down later for whatever. And uh, we come out of the hotel that morning and uh, went into the restaurant. And, and, and your dad was having breakfast. And I, I'm, I'm almost 98% sure that you were at the table rosie howell was at the table okay and it may be ron went through okay but, sure uh, you know especially when you look at your dad yourself and um um uh, rosie howell you guys were all big you know not big <laughs> but tall yeah. intimidating type figures and i'm eight <laughs> years old and i walk in that restaurant with sue uh this is chris's mother and now yeah. she's a small petite lady and she walked up to that table and she was telling y'all something. I don't know what it was at the time. Uh -oh. She wasn't uh -oh. asking. She was telling y'all something. And I just thought, wow, how she's sitting here telling these guys this. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what the conversation is, but that's my first memory of meeting you and your dad. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Needless needless to say, mom was not intimidated by any of them. Oh, no, no, no. She probably she was not. had a box she could put her ducks in. I mean, in the middle of a, you know, I, I, a meeting funny, of some yeah. sort. But, uh, but, but she was so sweet. But I want to tell you something. 
when she got to talking about something, you better listen because there's something that's going to come out of that mouth that's pretty doggone important, and you better listen to what it is because <laughs> there might be an answer required when she's done. Okay, <laughs> she of was a, she was of a sweet course. lady, and uh, just yeah, but that that duck story, man. But I that's funny you say that, Jason, because honestly, my dad was kind of I know he came across that way, but you get to know him. He's kind of he was he was pretty soft on the inside, but not that's everybody true. got to not everybody got to the inside, so. How about Mike? Well, Burris? you were always met with a smile. Yeah. Mike oh, Burris? yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Mike is. Mike is. Uh, I mean, he's one of the greats. I mean, that, yep. of course, I had the opportunity. I never raced against Mike. He goes way, way back. Right. But uh, naturally, um, I did get to run against Kurt. Mm-hmm. Some. But uh, I still talk to Mike quite frequently, and I mean, uh, to me, that's uh, there's has to be included in you know the founders of what we have today oh absolutely has has any when you really think about it over the years and there's obviously been a lot of people that have supported carding but has there been anybody that has has stepped out of the the national element so to speak and gone to grassroots and supported carding more year in and year out than mike i mean i think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that's done more than he's done for grassroots i mean there there is no one. I mean, yeah. Mike, uh, it, I've always said, it's been my opinion. You know, we run unlimited all-stars, which is an open tire class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason for that is because, you know, the all-star class is, is about innovation. Right. That's what the class is about. But the, uh, if we had to have a tire rule, if we had to have a tire rule, I'd always be in favor of a Burris tire. It's it's an American-made product. Uh, they've got a tire and a compound that'll work anywhere, and uh, they they've stuck to it. I mean, and like you said, they've given back to the sport in so many ways. So I'm a I'm a Burris fan. I'm a number one Burris fan. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I vote. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I just, uh, I don't know that I raced against Kurt. Uh, I can't remember being on the racetrack with him, but I've always appreciated him and his family. And I, I, I dove into the race promoting a time or two. And uh, one phone call was all that it took. And they were always willing to support whatever it was that we were doing at that time. So, and uh, uh, growing up, the, the awards and things that they gave at the Nationals, mm-hmm. I, I always appreciated that. And uh, uh I still follow what's going on out there today and what they're trying to accomplish in Cardi and uh, uh, always appreciated the family. Yeah. Mike's uh, certainly done uh, just a tremendous amount for Cardi and, and especially where sometimes the grassroots level gets overlooked by, by the industry, which I don't know why, but it does because you kind of get caught up in all these big events, man, if it isn't for the grassroots and people being able to run that and have a good time, you know, you just, not everybody can race a national, right? So, um, that's, that's important. Uh, last one I got on the list here is Alan Robertson at Dixie Cardi. What I remember about Alan Robertson, uh, probably got to go back in to the eighties when, uh, we were involved with the South Carolina Bridgestone asphalt series. And, uh, that was a huge series, you know, back then WK had the magazine out and, uh, if you ever picked up a magazine in the 80s, 
you always read about the uh, the South Carolina Bridgestone Asphalt Series at that point in time. Right. We ran three different tracks. We ran the old Darlington track that uh, mm-hmm. Jim Smith ran. We uh, ran Ben Porter's track at Palmetto yeah. in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, then there was a little little track in uh, Harleyville, South Carolina as well. I can't remember exactly who ran that particular track, but it was a heart-shaped asphalt road course. And, uh, of course, Ben, uh, excuse me, Mr. Robinson, he was uh, very involved in that series at that point in time. And, uh, of course, he became uh, Robron, which is probably one of the largest uh, – cart manufacturers as far as the uh, concession type carts go mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely that that's my remembrance of Mr. Robert Robertson. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Jason, I'll start with you on this one. And I, I was thinking about this the other day and you and Chris have something in common. You both, you both raced, you had a lot of success, but now there's a new stage in your life and you've got, You've got your sons racing. So I want you, and I'll start with you, Jason. I want you to take me through the difference between coming to a big national, being the driver, preparing for it, being out on the track versus, and I I believe you you guys both had your sons racing the big O last week or the week before, right? Yes, we did. So compare that to how you approach the race at the big O and now what it's like and how you feel standing at the fence while your son's out there racing. Explain the similarities and the differences. Cause I know there's gotta be a ton of the emotional level has gotta be a totally different range when you've got your son out there where you've kind of sent him off and to some degree you've lost control versus you're out there behind the wheel. Gosh, that's a, that, that's a wonderful question uh, for me. I guess there's no greater sense of pride than than watching him going around the racetrack and uh, seeing what 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 he's capable of on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, learning to control your emotions while he's on the racetrack. You, right. you, you know, you tell yourself that, but then you're a dad too. And uh, yeah. you know, when he first started, I, man, did I have a problem <laughs> trying to control myself while he was sure. on the racetrack? But I sure. think I've worked through that. But, yeah. uh, you know, nothing gives me a bit, uh, most of his driving suits and things that he's wearing now uh, belong to me at one point in time. So, man, I get a, a great satisfaction out of seeing him in those things and going around. And, uh, you know, uh, he had to bring me back into this sport kick, kicking and screaming. Uh, you know, I, I took a time off uh, uh, around the time that he was born. I, I pretty much completely got out of racing. I had quit driving a couple of years before I'd promoted some racing. I'd actually come back to WK and was a yep. race director for a couple of the series I, for a I period remember of time. Yeah. And, and, and thank you, by the way, for allowing me to do that. Um, you, you were and, good at it. Um, and I, I got out of it completely. Um, you know, started a family, got married and had convinced myself that, uh, you know, I didn't miss it. And uh, he worked on me for years. Him and his papa worked on me for years. And uh, <laughs> finally, three years ago, um, 
a racing cart showed up at the house and I'm like, Uh-oh. where did this come from? And nobody would admit to anything. That's funny. But anyway, that kind of uh, got me back off the wagon and uh, man, have I missed it and, and, yeah. and <laughs> glad that I'm back in the sport. That's awesome. That's awesome. Chris, how about you? I don't know if that answered your question, but that's, that's what I got. Uh, no, it did. And I, I let, let me give you one follow-up question before I go to Chris. And it's real simple. It, 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 it's based on a measurement. How big were the butterflies before you left the grid at a national versus when your son leaves the grid for a, a big race now? How big are the butterflies? Were they bigger when you were behind the wheel? Are you kidding, or- are you kidding me? I mean, the, the butterflies, when he goes out for a Friday night race. Uh, <laughs> are way bigger, right? <laughs> yeah, much less a national. So, um, yeah. You know, it gets your heart pumping and sure. uh, uh, just glad to be a part of it. That's awesome. That's that's well well put, Jason. Chris, how about you? You know, it's really hard to explain. Uh, I can't stand at the fence. I got to pace back and forth. And <laughs> yeah. One of my kids is on the racetrack. Yeah. And, uh, you know, between, you know, praying to good Lord, keep them safe. And, you know, if at all possible, let him win this race. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. And, and you yeah. know, just and and cheering them on, and and but it's uh, yeah, it's pretty emotional, no sure. doubt about it. Um, Austin, he ran, he started in kid cars when he was four years old, and um, he went through the stages of running the plate classes on the Flathead Briggs and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Austin kind of he lost interest in karting there for a while, and then right before he went to college he uh got reinterested in it got back in the seat because he was all about the two-stroke stuff he never did care too much about you know the uh the clones or whatever mm-hmm. and he was able to uh to win some races and unlimited all-stars he led in points going to a national out in the me of let's see who where where did we go it was um i don't forget now where the track was but he was leading the uas points at that point in time and he wound up finishing ninth in the race, which put him ninth in the points. But now Evan came along, and uh, Evan, he's all about karting 24-7. And he's done real well. I'm just super proud of him. He's uh, won the UAS Grand National 2018 in Hunterstown, Pennsylvania. He's won the Big O a couple of times. He won Thanksgiving Thunder uh, several times junior uas wins and he, he won daytona in 2018 i mean the kid's just fast wow and uh I, I couldn't be more proud when i uh but but now i've let him down here recently because now i'm the mechanic so yeah. when something goes wrong <laughs> on, on the go-kart yeah i'm the one to blame so yeah. uh, but that's that's the thing about karting you know i always liked haddock's meme or poster that he had for years and uh it's a picture of him with all four wheels off the ground on his sea open or whatever and you know the the logo says that this ain't no stick and ball sport that's right and uh and the reason why is because it's, it's man and machine you know yep. it's not only man and machine it's a driver and then you've got a tuner and a crew chief or whatever yep. Yep. it's a total team effort yep. and that just sets uh karting apart from everything else that i've ever known so Totally agree. But uh, that's uh, good. Those are those are good stories, both of you. And I, 
I was I was hoping for that and you guys both delivered because that's an emotion that a lot of people never experience, but something that uh, is it's really really fascinating. And and Chris, I'm going to assume your butterflies are a little bigger when your kids go on the track than they were when you were going on the track. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I used to didn't think anything about it. You know, you yeah. get down in the seat and Evans yeah. that way. I mean, he's he's cool and collected. Yeah. He just uh, gets in the seat like it's nothing. And yeah. you know, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> but uh hey Randy yeah I'm gonna jump in you know I've still got one in the oven I've got a five-year-old little girl yeah and <laughs> watch out if she decides she wants to get behind the wheel really because she's gonna wreck I'll everything on the that. track and not apologize for it <laughs> well I'll, that, I'll second that that that's that's pretty good I like to see that she, so she's she's pretty confident. Oh yeah, she's full of herself. But uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, when the time comes, if she wants to get on it, we'll 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 see about that then. But uh, that's 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 wow. awesome. No, well, no, mama, see about that then. Your uh, her mama, see <laughs> yeah, about it. That, yeah, exactly. That's the, yeah, that's the one who's going to make the final yeah, decision. That's right. Well, well, on you know this this is uh, we're kind of winding down here, guys. And the last question is always sometimes the hardest or the most emotional because it kind of encompasses your life in carding. But what I always finish these podcasts with, and Chris, I'll start with you. Tell me in your own words, what, what carding has meant to you and your family over the years with the impact it's had with you, your kids, your parents, and what does it mean to you today? <clears throat> well, it's the people you meet, Randy. And, um, from all over the world, from all parts of the, you know, United States, uh, go-karters are go-karters. I don't care if it's East coast, West coast. And, uh, it's our business, you know, with see high performance, we're full-time carding. We've been that way for three years now. And, um, even though see high performance was founded, I think we officially became a LLC in 2000. 10 or something like that but either way the, the the people that we talk to on a daily basis uh that's what it's all about we we love the people that's in carding and it's the people you meet it's a family sport you've uh, a father and a son and a mother and you know they're all involved in it they all have a piece in this sport going to the racetrack and uh that's like I said, that's one of the things that kind of sets it apart from what I call stick and ball sport. Nothing wrong with that. But, uh, I mean, it's a total team effort. It's a family effort for the most part. It's what carding's about. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well said. Jason, how about you? I think the best way I can explain it is it's, 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 a, it's more than a sport. It's, it's more of a lifestyle especially with with the preparation and everything that it takes to consistently run week in and week out it, it's a lifestyle you choose to live and um you know it has its ups and downs but um again when you have an opportunity to look back on it and 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 like what we're doing right now wouldn't trade any of the memories for for, yeah. for anything else in the world so um just um you know, I don't know if I found it or it found me or, or wh <laughs> however it worked out. Just glad that it did. 
Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. a funny story. Okay. Sure. Here we go. This is a funny Absolutely. story about Jason. Jason and my dad. It's been told over and over again. We were leaving. I think it was Dumplin Valley after a dirt national. If I'm no, not mistaken. It was, was it Dumplin uh, Valley? It wasn't. No, I know where you're going now. No, this was Blunt, Tennessee. A mountain. It was where? The pits were litter. It was Bluntville, Tennessee. Bluntville. Oh, okay. Uh, what was Bluntville, the name of that track? What was that track? But it was yeah. literally the pits were a mountain. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And well, you I had to climb a mountain to get out of that place. Yeah. Yes. But here, here we were, and, and it was back in the nineties during a, a dirt national at Bluntville. And the racing was over, and all these haulers and trucks were pulling out of the the pits up the hill, and the payout stand was about halfway up that hill, and people were stopping. And uh, going to the payout window to, to get whatever they won, you know, before we left. Well, David's dad had pulled on up on the top of the hill in the motorhome. And uh, my dad was pulling the trailer out and it parked right beside the, the pay window there. And there was two or three other trailers parked beside of him up real close. And uh, dad was trying to talk with Jason's dad on the CB radio. <laughs> and they were having trouble with the CB radio. And Jason was with my dad. And they were up under the dash looking at wires and stuff. And they were had the doors of the truck open. And uh -oh. their feet was on the ground. Okay. Oh, boy. Their feet's on the ground looking up under the dash of the truck working on the CB radio. And this trailer under the that had pulled area. up real. Yeah. That a, a truck and trailer pulled real close to him, and it started easing on up the road real slow. And Jason looked out of the corner of his eye and <laughs> and saw that truck going up the hill. He said, "Henry, we're we're rolling, we're rolling." Oh, <laughs> oh no! And both of them, both of them jumped up in the seat. Okay, my dad. Or Jason was actually in the driver's seat. Jason jumped up in the driver's seat, had both feet on the brake pedal, and Dad was reaching over with his hand on the shift lever of the truck, trying to jam it and park. And they were sitting still. <laughs> and and he, Henry Jason was still on the ground outside. Yeah. Jason was hollering, "Henry, I can't stop it. It won't quit rolling." Oh man! And it was the illusion. Of that truck moving it was forward. The illusion of this yeah. truck moving oh forward. Oh my gosh! And the funny and, and thing, Chris, both Chris of them had their that story. both of them had their feet on the ground. Chris, and you know, Jason, Chris seems to get a lot of joy out of telling that story. Yeah, he tells oh, it every man. chance he it, gets. It, <laughs> it, it, it was hilarious. He had to have been there. But, uh, That's funny. It was a, about as funny as uh, for another time when I seen a truck backing into a pit spot at Jacksonville, Florida, and the front bumper of the, the truck. Gun. Hooked the porta john and started oh, no. dragging it. And the, and the yeah, guy in the porta john got drugged. Oh man, he, he drug that thing about 10 foot, and the guy was hollering and he couldn't open the door because when oh. he tried to open the door, it hit the truck. And, and the guy was in it. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, the Bluntville track, you talked about that mountain. We had a national there one year and they had a lot of rain, but the rain came in after everybody got parked. And I mm -hmm. think it was Ronnie Robinson, but there was somebody with this great big trailer 
and and the rain had come down so hard that the trailers had actually started to slide down the hill mm -hmm. because it was so steep. Yeah, I remember to, that. It was a nice had, little track, but they had man, to pull them out with a bulldozer. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. So. Well, listen, guys, I want to tell you something. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I knew it would be. I can't I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, I, any any I'll start with you, Jason. Any uh, any closing remarks, anything you'd like to add, anything we missed? Uh, I just thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, we just scratched the surface, Randy. I, know. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I want you to know that I appreciate you. I've always appreciate what what your family spent the carding and um, um, just uh, thanks for being a friend. And uh, I, I want to come back on some point and interview you. There's questions that everybody <laughs> wants to know. And I, I want to get that chance to interview you. So you keep that on the, on the back burner you, when you have you. absolutely nobody else that'll come on. <laughs> you tell me when you want to do it and we'll do it. That'd be fun. I, I mean that sincerely. That would be fun. Uh, Chris, how about you? No, I'll echo what Jason said. You know, I appreciate, uh, you asking us to be a part of this and uh, some very fond memories of uh, your dad and uh, my family's association with WKA. And uh, I mean, my goodness, you, you talked about your dad. That's the thing about it, Mr. Kugler and Mr. Wilson, both, even though they were intimidating figures to me at that <laughs> point in time, whenever you went to them, you, you were always met with a smile. Yes. And, yes. uh, they, they they had a smile and they were going to keep smiling while they were responding to you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which meant, which meant, I'm saying what I'm saying and that's the end of it. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I appreciate but, that. Uh, that's I've always had the utmost respect for both you and your families. Um, you guys are class acts. Even when it's a bad day, you get over it and you move on because you know there's going to be another opportunity. And not everybody can do that, and that's the unfortunate part. But you guys. Uh, I, I consider you both a, a good friend and I, and I, it just meant so much when you guys agreed to come on and, and uh, Jason, I'll take you up on that, but anytime you want to do it, you let me know. Um, I'm, you know, I sell health insurance. So this is my busy season right now, but after the first of the year, we want to do a reverse racing with RK and you come on and interview me game on. You can both come on. I don't care. That'd be fun. I'll tell you, I got a few stories too. So that'd be all right. Outstanding. Great, I look forward to it. All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, uh, again, I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, uh, for the listeners out there, you're going to enjoy this one, no doubt. It's a, It's been a lot of fun, and I, I like it when we can tell those stories and have some laughs, because that, to me, is what it's all about, is, is not just creating those memories, but reliving them. Say a prayer for the first responders, the firefighters, law enforcement, hospital workers, and they need our support every day. Just remember them in your, in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, racers don't last forever but racing memories do. Thanks to my special guests, Chris and Jason C. This is Randy Kugler with Racing with RK. Take care, everybody. <laughs>